Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreaux. And I'm Sally Gentry. And together we say, thank you for listening. Thank you for spreading the word. Continue to do that. Here's why. We have lots of important things to talk about on this podcast. First of all, we'll visit with a grateful recipient who's also a songbird. So a lot of these events he's been singing to honor his donor. How cool is that? That's awesome. And in our recovery segment, we're going to listen to a tissue recipient who now has a different outlook on life. Oh, so good. And in our family support segment, we're going to talk about how do you break out of that funk? You know, when you really, really are depressed and you're just wondering, is it ever going to get any better? Hopefully, we'll be able to share some information with you that will help it get better. Important topic, but I like hearing the Sally say funk for some reason. I like it, Sal. Also, coming up on the Gifted Life podcast, we will honor a hero as we do in every podcast, and we'll take your questions and answers. But we need your help, right, guys? We need folks to continue to spread the word about this podcast. We need you to share it. We're easy to find. Like us, share it, talk to others about us. Listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, or any of your favorite podcast apps. And listen, a lot of what we talk about, you can see pictures, learn more on our social media sites. So on Facebook, for example, Sally SE on there, a lot liking what we do. Um, it's Donate Life Louisiana. Also, Twitter and Instagram, you can find us at Donate Life LA. There's also a YouTube channel out there. So just search for LOPA or Donate Life Louisiana, and you can see what we're putting out. It's all to make life happen. And remember, Remember, you can always call us at 504-648-3477. We'd love to hear from you, so please call us. Yeah, we may even use your audio on this podcast. We want it to be interactive. This is your podcast. Join with us as we work to make life happen. You guys ready? Yep. Let's get going. community segment today, a special guest close to my heart. Um, I have been working with Mr. Charles Henderson out in the community. He is a proud heart recipient, and he speaks, he sings, all to honor his donor, which is pretty cool. Hey, Mr. Charles. Hi, how you doing? Good. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, Mr. Charles. This is Joey. Laura's been telling me so much about you. You know, she said she was a big fan of yours, especially if you're singing. (laughs) Okay. And she told me that you had actually had a chance to meet your donor family. Can you tell me how that started? Yes, in October of 2015, I received a letter saying that they had wanted to meet with me. We had corresponded on the phone for maybe about two weeks, and they asked me could they come and go to church with me. And I told them, sure. So they came on the first Sunday of October with me. We met at my church, you know, it was a, it was a real spiritual meeting and everything, you know. We had a great time together, you know, the love that was shown. I mean, it was like we had known each other from the very beginning. Actually, during the church services, I noticed David Sr., Dudu's dad, he kept watching one of the gentlemen in the church, which is also my cousin. And then we did a meet and greet, actually, during the service. You know, just go around and make everyone feel comfortable. 
and during that time, they actually noticed each other and come to find out they had been knowing each other for 20 years. My wow. cousin had been knowing each other since he was one year old. <laughs> wow. So and let's just put it out there again. So your hero is David James Cologne Jr. And um, I think Dad gave him the nickname of Doo Doo, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and so they always laugh because I know there's a story behind that. I like that. Um, but can you take us back? Because Mr. Charles does a really good story when speaking, especially to high schoolers. He keeps it real, and he has their attention. But talk about Dudu's life and death, and tell us how you came to need a heart, Mr. Charles. In 2004, I was diagnosed with congestive heart failure. And over the years, my heart grew weaker and weaker. So in 2014, uh, August, I went to auction. That's when they told me I needed a transplant. They had me on a debutant drip, and they placed me on the list in September. I was lying in my bed on one Sunday afternoon, uh, November 3rd to be exact, and they gave me a call and said they had a possible heart for me, and they asked me, could I get there? I say, uh, I was kind of shocked at first, and I, that's what I'm sure I could be there. So I walked outside, and with no one around but my niece, and I just went and grabbed her by her hand, and I said, let's go. She looked at me kind of funny. I said, let's go. We need to get to New They have a possible heart for me. So we took a trip down, and later that night, they came into my room, and they told me we were going into surgery at 1 a.m., that they had a perfect match for me. So through it all, you know, everything went perfect and everything, and I've been going good ever since. And tell us what you know about Dudu's story, because um, you, you've been spending so much time. It's like your family, so you know about oh, him, yeah. you know about the, the accident. Yeah. Right. Uh, his mother, she told me that uh, him and some friends were at LSU, and they were partying, and an altercation came up and some kind of way during the struggles. He was pushed in front of a car. But she told me before, about a year before it happened, they were in a conversation, her and Dudu. And uh, he told if anything ever happened to him, you know, where they couldn't save him, he wanted to be a donor. And he asked his mother to make sure that that wish was granted. So that's how I ended up with his heart, basically, because his mother made sure that that was fulfilled. Aw. And I I love that story, and I love Miss Jen. And I know that she'd be so proud of you honoring her son today. Oh, yeah. Well, Charles, I know I have heard you sing before. I'm wondering... Would you like to sing a little bit for us right now? No well, pressure, I, Mr. Charles. <laughs> I can try. Let's see if I can get anything out. Like I say, I'm kind of congested, but hopefully God will be in the midst of it. Falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever, ever done. And he did that congested. So that's pretty good, Mr. <laughs> Charles. <laughs> but what's awesome is... On the year anniversary of Dudu's death, Mr. Charles came back with the family to Our Lady of the Lake Hospital. They raised the Donate Life flag. And who was singing, Mr. Charles? Uh, Mr. Charles was singing. Yes. When we have Very LOPA nice. events in Mr. Charles's area, who's asked to sing, Mr. Charles? Uh, I am. Yes, right. <laughs> uh, so, I have a certain lady in the studio, which keeps putting me on the, on the bar. <laughs> so, and, and we know Mr. Charles has big plans to use his singing to create more awareness for donation. But where you live is donation now talked about more, you think, especially in your, your church family? Yes, it really is. Uh, I know at least 75% of my church family, they become donors. And then all through the community, a lot of people have heard my story, you know, and I put it on Facebook, so it's going all over the country. A lot of family members and friends are responding to it. 
And like I said, we've been doing more in the hammer, you know, with the, the I had never heard anything going on before that about, you know, donations or anything. And like with North Oaks, they've been doing a lot of programs and everything with it. So everything, you know, it's really coming to life right now. You know, I think it's cool is that I got a friend request from a Mr. Charles Henderson, who's now on Facebook, and he's using it to promote donation, which is awesome, Mr. Charles. Oh, yes. Yeah. Got to get my word out there any way possible. God, it's been too good to me. I love it. Well, thanks to you. Uh, we love that you do what you can to honor Dudu, and I know Miss Jen and, and David and the family. I Dudu is now me. <laughs> yeah. I'm living for him. And I love that you guys always do things together. Thank you, Mr. Charles. Oh, yeah. We appreciate you. And thank you. Right. Thank have you. a blessed day. Grateful recipient, guys. In our recovery segment today, we're excited. We're talking to a tissue recipient, Miss Tanya Smith. And Joey, you actually had the opportunity to watch her speak, spread donation I did. information. And it was pretty powerful, you tell it me. It yeah. was very powerful. We had a tissue education for the staff so they can learn a little bit more, you know, about the inner workings of tissue recoveries and, you know, what it means to be a tissue, kind of the, the day in the life of a tissue recovery coordinator. Which is fascinating in yeah, itself. Absolutely. And of course, me being the organ guy, I've always learned a lot more about the organ side, organ recovery side. But we were able to meet Miss Tanya Smith, who came in and she gave such an electric and nice presentation, basically to the call center, to the organ staff and the tissue staff. Uh, just to tell us a little bit about what the tissue donation and recovery or the tissue transplant meant to her wow, yeah. and the impact that it had on her. So thank you very much, Tanya, for coming in. It's so nice to have you. Well, I am grateful and honored to be with you, and I thank you for having me today. All right, so Miss Tanya, I was reading through your notes. You were not a registered donor. There was a car mm -hmm. crash. Pro donation now, so we're going to take you through the story. So May 2013 is kind of when things took a turn for you. Yeah. Yeah. May 4th, uh, 2013, I resided in Richmond, Virginia. I'm originally from Louisiana, but I was stationed as a travel nurse in uh, Maryland. And so I was on my way back up to Maryland to my call center, which is in Baltimore. And on my way up, uh, going past Arlington, I was on a six-lane freeway. And they do about 70 miles an hour there. And I was posted at doing 68. Two cars ahead of me, for some strange reason, slammed on their brakes and the SUV that was behind them slammed into them. I, by fault, was following too close to control the car, and so I slammed in the SUV, flipped it, the car in back of me hit me, and I hit the original car. I ended up with multiple injuries, broken ribs, broken nose, broken jaw, you, you name it. It was mm. not pretty. And also what they call a pilon ankle fracture, which is commonly known as an open tib fib um, fracture. And being a trauma-trained nurse, I looked down as the airbags deployed and saw that my foot was turned to the back, mm. my blood coming out of my face and head, and basically saw my bones sticking out and thought, the original thought was, this is not going to be good. And that's mm. pretty much the last thing I remember. I then went into multiple surgeries after that. That was in 2013. I've been through eight surgeries for basically trying to rebuild, reconstruct, and get rid of a limp that I have. I walk like a, I always joke around and say I walk like an octopus with a broken sucker cup <laughs> when leg flares out more, but, but it's getting better. But on that day, my surgeon saw fit, and rather than cut my leg off because I had such damage, 
my surgeon now here in Louisiana says it looks like a bomb blew up in it. But in order to do that, they put enough metal to sink a battleship and also basically rebuilt my ankle with donor bone. And I have cantulus and um, bone struts or fragments. I, I don't know what the exact word is that you call it, but, but anyway, it's, it's basically bone structure that remakes my ankle. And I don't have a very pretty walk right now, but I have a walk, which is more than I would have had had I not had that gift. Two things changed in that accident, um, my thinking and my perception of life. I kind of thought life was... Uh, you know, something that would be here forever, and it's not. It can be taken away in that very second that everybody talks about, that things can change. And you're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised the next intersection, honestly. I also was gifted from somebody who was going through, their family was going through a horrible moment in their lives, a devastating moment in their lives, that they thought enough that I wasn't kind enough to think about, even as a nurse, to give a gift of life. And I I wouldn't be walking if it wasn't for them. If not for them, I would not be walking. Um, and so I'm very grateful and ever grateful to them and to their family. If they're out there, <laughs> I always want them to know that I am thankful. And it does mean something. They gave me, they put me back, basically. Um, I was able to go back to work after a year. And I'm not doing ER nursing anymore because I can't do that full time, but because um, of the, the walking that it does take um, and the movement that you have to be, you know, very fast. But I'm able to still be a nurse, which is something I was terrified of losing. I'd been a nurse for a very long time. And to date, I've been a nurse for 29 years. Wow. I have a 26-year-old son whom I adore. And, you know, there's many things that I would have missed out on had it not been for this gift. And so, yes, now I am a donor. You can have anything on me you want. <laughs> and I believe in it wholeheartedly. And I would recommend it to everybody because it is, we're, we're not going to use it when we're gone, honestly. And if you believe in God, God believes in gifts. And it is better to give than it is to receive. But I will say it's not bad to receive even when you're not the most gracious giver, which I wasn't in the beginning. So, so Tanya, <laughs> you were able to write then a note to your um, to the tissue bank to thank the family? Yes, ma'am. I, I wrote a two-page, What I it wasn't a thank you letter or note, but it was a, a letter of uh, gratitude, I should say, not just thank you, but gratitude. And I've not heard back. You know, I, I would love someday to hear from them. Sure. But... I understand if they can't or they're not in a position to do so. But, yes, I did write a letter because I wanted them to know from the bottom of my heart it has changed me completely. And, you know, I think about it a lot. You know, I think about it every day. And that's a wonderful thing that you did write to them uh, because most donor families that we speak with, and more particularly tissue donor families, are so happy to hear that their loved one's gift has enhanced and or saved someone's life such as yourself. So Absolutely. It's I mean, very good. You know, my, my entire world would have been completely different than it is now. Completely. I would, I, I venture to say I don't even want to think about what I would be now if I couldn't have walked, you know, if I couldn't have been a nurse again. And two things that are important to me are being my my son's mother and being a nurse. And they're the things that define me. And without my legs and the ability to walk and, you know, people giving and good doctors and excellent staff, I would have been in trouble, you know, in big, big trouble. Not Not just physically, but emotionally as well. So, you know, they saved me in many ways. Yeah, and we're always happy to learn from you, and we appreciate you, you sharing so much.
Well, I appreciate you all, and I appreciate my donor's family and, and my donor, you know. Yeah. And so can, can you kind of run through, you were a nurse, you said, for 29 years, but you hadn't put that heart in your license till after the accident. So um, I'm always curious to learn the reasons why. And so in your mind, what um, was it? I have to tell you, honestly, I think I was, I, I'm a nurse by trade, and um, I basically, you know, I've been a nurse in either ER or ICU in that you know, at the time, 26 years of nursing. And I have to be honest, I think I was afraid of it. Although I had actually taken care of donors, I think I was afraid because I, I didn't want to face mortality. I didn't want to admit that it could be me someday. And I wasn't afraid to let go of for personal reasons or, you know, spiritual reasons. I always thought, well, I should leave with what I came in with, you know. The truth of the matter is you don't really leave with what you came in with your spirit leaves, not your body, you know? So um so I had to I had to come to terms with that and I had to come to terms with the fact that I was stingy all those years and somebody in equal devastation, if not more, because theirs was a permanent loss, you know? And that's that's that speaks volumes to me. And it said to me that I wasn't being very honest with life and with with the frailty of it and with the things that we can do for each other to help each other live longer when we no longer can. And so I'm I'm grateful for that. And yes, it did change me. And, and I am now. So I am absolutely now. Pretty powerful stuff, Miss Tanya. And, and speaking now, um, helping educate others. Um, can't thank you enough. No, thank you. Thanks for putting that heart in your license and wanting to help us save more lives. I hope everybody does, really, because, I mean, we never know when the time is going to be. And I hope, you know, I hope it'll be 80 years from now for most, you know, I hope you get that long, beautiful life, but none of us are guaranteed anything. And I, I would hate to think that somebody who could use what you no longer can at that point. And honestly, you're giving something of your family and they can live on through that person in, in ways that you have no idea of. You know? Well, we are happy you are on our team. We are happy you I'm are happy doing be better Thank you. each and every day, girl. Miss Tanya yeah, Smith. I, I yay to you guys, too. I love yeah. all of you guys. I really do. I've met the procurement team and um, for tissue donation, and they are total rock stars, and I yeah. love them. They're awesome, <laughs> well-grounded people, and everybody I have met with Lopa has been nothing but kind and gracious, and I love them. Oh, and so. that's what we hear about you, Miss Tanya. So well, thank, thank you, you so much. much. Keep up thank the good you. fight, girl. Okay, thank you so Thanks, much. Tanya. All right, more to come, guys. family support segment. Um, Sally is going to be talking about dealing with complicated grief. Yes, Sally. I've seen complicated grief in literature. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> um, and, and I didn't really understand it fully. What's the difference between just normal grief and complicated grief? Well, you know, Joey, on previous episodes, we have talked about grief along with the different topics associated with that. So it's suicide, coping with the holidays, grief in the workplace, using humor and grief. But we all know someone that has experienced the death of a loved one. It seems like as time goes on, they don't have the ability to kind of adapt, if you will, as we talked about 
earlier to the death and process it, it seems as if their pain is much more intense and that it intensifies over time, which for people who are going through what we call normal grief, and that certainly is not, you know, saying that it's any less of an intense pain for individuals. But for the normative grief, that usually lasts about six months to a year. Now, the grief does, of course, continue for some period of time, but it's just, it starts to lessen. It's not near so in their face every single day. Now, it doesn't imply that grief is completed or resolved, but rather it's just a steady integration of the loss into the fabric of their life, and it's no longer stands in the way of them ongoing with their life. Now, the intensity of the acute grief and the period of time over which it occurs, you know, variable, depends on the closeness of their relationship to the deceased and the circumstances of the the death, uh, the age of the person, along with multiple other factors that, that go with that. But however, there is a small subgroup of individuals who their symptoms are much more intense, much more persistent, and that's when it kind of moves into that complicated grief because it's associated with a significant distress, impairment of living life on a daily basis. And research also shows that this occurs approximately 10 to 20% of bereaved persons. Complicated grief is a prolonged grief syndrome. It's characterized by preoccupation with the, you know, the thoughts and, and the death and why did it happen. And it's an intense and um, just going on yearning and hoping that the outcome will be different. And each day folks wake up and say, it just cannot be. How could this have happened to me or, or to my family? And so rather than the grief symptoms, you know, getting less intense, they seem to, as I mentioned, just in, they don't diminish. They just intensify. And along with that is a disbelief that regarding this death, it keeps lingering, that they're just, they're just not able to integrate how to move past this particular stage. So all that to be said, there is a, a lot involved in complicated grief that we will not address at this point in time. But sometimes a family or friend may think the person is suffering from intense depression, uh, which is called major depressive disorder, uh, because there's many similarities between the two, but there is a difference with the complicated grief. So Sally, are there certain types of grief or certain instances that would predispose someone to a, the complicated grief uh, more so than any other types of grief? Well, Joey, there are some risk factors that are associated with complicated grief, and those do include being female, uh, women generally, because they are more emotional, they're more of an intuitive type of griever, and also many times low perceived social support. It may be that there are very supportive people around this individual, but they don't see it that way, that they're the only one, you know, out here. And they may not have ever had a loss in their life before, a death in their life that they've been able to go through, because many times we are able to cope with a death and adapt to it if we've experienced it. But many times, you know, people just have not. And so this is something so foreign to them, they're not prepared emotionally to deal with it. And then many times there is a lack of support for them. And, and that does make a difference. So if 
I was a family member and, and I started seeing, you know, one of my family members experience this complicated grief, what type of support systems are out there? What can I do as a family member to help get that person through this complicated part of the grief? One of the things that's most important is if this person, if you can ask this person, will they be willing to go to their family physician? If they don't have a family physician, there are different resources in the area that our family services department, uh, we have that available and we could certainly share that with folks because I think it, it does go past the point of just being a listening ear as a family member because many times those of us who have not been through it we don't really know what to say, and, and we're thinking, this person is not getting better. What can we do to make it better for them? And it really takes many times professional assistance, and that can be, once again, a medical doctor or you know a psychologist or a mental health practitioner can help in that particular regard. Because also when people are this intense with their grief, then there can be issues with health. That then can fall into it because they're not caring for themselves. So there is a, a multitude of, of things that do play into how do you help someone with complicated grief? I can see, you know, situations like that. Someone who their emotional state and mental state starts affecting their physical state. Right. And it seems like that might even snowball and even get worse for that person. And it can, and the fact that they can become suicidal too, right. if this, this goes on. So Many individuals who do go through this, once again, you know, we encourage them to reach out and get the help that they can use. And, you know, I heard from um, some of our donor families, and they said when they met their loved one's recipients, that was the best therapy because they had gone through years of therapy, and they said it wasn't working for them in right. that case. But then they met the lives saved, and it made it better. It made life better. Right. Well, and I think that's what's happening for most of our donor families. I think when when they hear from the recipients or they reach out to the recipients, I think that that right there does give them, you know, through organ tissue or eye donation. You know, I'd like to include all that because it's a very mm -hmm. giving mm -hmm. thing that yep. they have done. Uh, they do find, they're able to find more solace and, and strength and that, you know, extra whatever oomph that it may mm -hmm. take to get through a very difficult period for them. And I think that's very instrumental then in the grieving process. All right. Interesting. Another one. Thanks, Sally. If you want more from Sally on this topic or maybe want her to go in a different direction, reach out to us, info at lopa.org. At this point in the podcast, we are going to honor a hero. Yeah, Lori. The hero we'll be honoring today is Robert Myers also known as Bob Bishop, from mornings with Kenny and Bob on WYNK to afternoons on Country Legends 107.3 for over two decades. Bob Bishop's melodic voice and infectious laughter brought us through our day, one song at a time. His intelligence, wit, and humor were surpassed only by his kindness and the size of his heart. Brilliant, well-read, and gifted, Bob was always eager to learn and help. Whatever you need, be it unraveling the complexities of World War II rewiring your computer, making a masterpiece in the kitchen, or giving advice to soothe your soul. He could do it all, and usually all at the same time. Ever kind and patient, he helped everyone around him. Personal and professional, Bob gave you his 100% undivided attention until all problems were resolved. He was a loving son, brother, and uncle. 
and a loyal friend. His family, friends, and listeners will miss him dearly. For all those who knew and listened, Bob Bishop was the best friend Baton Rouge Radio ever had. And you can see his picture and read more about Bob Bishop at lopa.org. Click on our Heroes tab. Uh, You can also read and see other heroes there as well. Let's pause and say thank you to Bob for the gift of life. question and answer segment. Here's one, guys. I do not have relatives in the state, and I am registered. I signed up to be an organ donor at the DMV. I would like to ensure the donation goes smoothly. Could you please give me some information on what I should include in my will? Well, Laura, that's actually a couple questions within a question. First, the will. It's great to have as much information as you can in the will. Obviously, that would help. The problem is that timetable for donation is very short. So you can't just easily search someone's will. It's not that easily attainable. Now, you mentioned that that person is registered. So we could easily search the registry and find that person is registered, and that's a legal document. Now, if you have no family within the state, we make a lot of phone calls. We talk to next of kin quite often uh, on the phone. And if they're not attainable on the phone, if you've got other friends or anyone, whoever's responsible for you care at this point, we can have a conversation face-to-face at the hospital. So we would go through any of the routes. And of course, we do get a medical social history. So again, we would kind of seek out whoever the person that most knows you or best knows you to get that information because we want to make sure the safety of the transplanted organs. Good. And thanks for communicating with us. Uh, We love that. If you have a question, want us to tackle a topic here on The Gifted Life, email us at info at lopa.org. Or you can also give us a call, 504-648-3477. Another great episode of The Gifted Life in the books, guys. Yes, it was. Yeah. We want to first thank Mr. Charles Henderson for coming on and honoring his hero, Dudu Cologne, and, of course, for belting out that wonderful tune for us. Ah, singing on a congested note. (laughs) That's right. And then uh, thanking Miss Tanya Smith for coming on. Uh, It's nice to have a tissue recipient to tell us a little bit about her story and how a tissue transplant has impacted her life. It's wonderful to see and hear how well they're doing and spreading donation awareness. Yeah, and I love that they continue to call us, um, are there any events coming? Can I speak? Can I sing? You know, I love all that. I love when they get involved. And we want you to do the same. It's easy. You could simply share information about this podcast. You could share something that you see as post on Facebook. It's that easy. We want you to go out today and do something that you don't normally do to help us make life happen. Have a good one. (laughs) 